week 15 them versus the Dolphins the toilet bowl for the number one pick like that's the highlight of the upcoming schedule for this team and the Dolphins Hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's the trade deadline. It's happening right now as we're recording. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's happening around the news, look at the games from last week, next week, some of your questions. But we'll be keeping you updated with everything that happens as it comes in. So hey, we got Connor here, and we've got Ronan. Hello. How are you getting on? Any crack? Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, the eternal move towards the next release, software life. That continues very well on schedule there. Uh, watched the semi-finals of the Rugby World Cup. I know Ireland aren't in it yet, but uh, England beat uh, New Zealand, which is kind of it, it's a it's a kind of a surprise, but not a shock. It's kind of like if Baltimore beat New England this week, it would be kind of like well, it's a big result, but not completely unexpected mm-hmm. uh, for NFL heads. Uh, and then South Africa beat Wales, so England and South Africa, two big powerful teams there. Uh, but at the weekend also it was the jazz weekend in Cork, mm. which has a surprisingly little jazz in it because uh, <laughs> uh, the main thing I went to was a orchest- or- orchestral recreation of Dre 2001, um, which was pretty sweet to be fair. Yeah, uh, I was going to say it was a good. That was the one that I wanted to see when it was on in Dublin. Yeah, like the guy is like a complete homer for Dre. He's like, man, I just love Dre. I get to sing Dre for all these people. And he's <laughs> like, he's loving life basically. Excellent, uh, excellent. And they managed to make make it to the Metropole for a bit of actual jazz. Well, more brass slash jazz, but uh, some good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's close enough though. Get a bit of bit a bit of jazz ish on your jazz weekend. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, we did a bit of hiking. Went up the hills here. Got to see a little bit more around the area. The weather's getting a little bit more livable now. Although we had uh, rain and thunderstorms this morning, so I had literally. Hadn't seen rain in about five or six months at this point and didn't really know what to do because none of my clothes are waterproof. And just kind of like, <laughs> luckily, I bought two jumpers the day beforehand and that was about it. But, um, Shawshank Redemption moment, does it? <laughs> oh, a little touch, yeah, a little touch. Um, but no, it's uh, overall pretty, pretty good working away and keeping myself busy. And we had, uh, added a couple more people to the guys who are watching the American football with us here, so we've now got a larger group watching on the weekends, which is uh which is always nice. So I suppose, as we said at the top here, we are in the middle of F5 season, as we call it, where you have to keep refreshing to see what's happening. The trade deadline is upon us. It closes at this point in, I believe, 65 minutes. So we should have just about all of them in uh, and under the wire before we finish recording the podcast here. Uh, we'll start with uh, New York Giants have traded a 2023rd round and a 2021 fourth round pick to the Jets for uh, Leonard Williams, a defensive tackle. Um, this is an interesting one. So it's a big... I think you said it's the first trade between the two New York teams. Uh, Leonard Williams has been okay, but maybe underperforming for where his draft pedigree was. But this is also the end of his uh, contract. So they're going to have to give him a new contract to keep him on afterwards. Uh, we have a question in from listeners about that kind of element of it later on but yeah what do you make of this trade I wouldn't have thought that this is kind of a piece that you pick up to kind of make a big difference this season yeah like it's, it's a little bit unusual I, I think like the Giants they're not really in win now mode but I suppose Leonard Williams he's a young enough player 
obviously had very high draft pedigree. He was considered to be a steal um, when he was picked up by the Jets outside of the top two. Um, but obviously things haven't worked out that way. Like the Giants, like defensive tackle situation, I say is like mediocre, really mm-hmm. at best. Like they're like bringing out Dalvin Tomlinson, people like that. Like it's grand, but it's not amazing. Uh, and they did trade away Snacks Harrison. So I think like it's a bit of a punt here, but I think for a third and a fourth, perhaps a fifth, if they don't choose not to re-sign him, I think it's it's acceptable enough. And I think if you get Leonard Williams and he does make it the free agency, you'll probably get um, basically that second pick back in, comp- in a compensatory pick um, at some point anyway. Um, I think for Leonard Williams himself, it's been a very disappointing career at the Jets. And his 2019 has definitely been following that trend. Not a single sack this season for someone who was expected to bring that kind of Aaron Donald, Geo Atkins pressure up the middle. Um, but perhaps in a new coaching system, in a new place, which is happier, uh, there's lots of rumors right now about unhappy Jets, um, he can find some more uh, quality time, have someone who can use his talents better. Um, but right now, for where he's at, it seems like fair enough compensation, even if it doesn't really feel like a move the Giants needed to make considering where they are. No, of course, of course. Uh, next up, this was an interesting one. This happened just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, the Rams have traded a keep Tlaib and a fifth for a future round pick for Miami. We don't actually know yet what the pick they're getting back is. Um, this is obviously just a salary dump. Tlaib is on IR. This means they can take a salary off the books and presumably, given that they acquired Ramsey in that slightly more expensive trade in the other direction, uh, just freeing up money to get an extension and he's going to be their future solution at quarterback. Yeah, like, I think Tlaib is a free agent after this year, so there's literally nothing much here for Miami except if maybe a, a future six, six or seven compensatory pick if Tlaib gets picked up after this year. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a situation um, where, well, I don't know how, how happy Tlaib will be. I don't even, even know if he'll bother going to Miami to even shake hands with anyone. But, uh yeah, I think for Miami, like we, we had Brock Osweiler's retirement last year, one of the first of its kind in terms of trade plus salary dump, and interesting to see it being used here, maybe on a lesser scale. Um, I think for Miami, obviously, they're, they're just hoarding picks, and this is a, just a free pick, basically, because they're not using that cap base at the moment. Yeah. Um, except for players like David Howard, who's got IOR as well. Um, but uh, yeah, Jalen Ramsey, they traded all that capital for him. They're going to have to pay him, and it's just a required move for that from the Rams' point of view. So kind of makes sense for both sides. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, Arizona have traded a 2020 conditional sixth-round pick that can become a fifth-round uh, if certain requirements are met for Kenyon Drake, the running back out of Miami. Uh, this is an interesting move. So it obviously it suggests immediately that the injury to David Johnson is more severe and possibly going to IR than we thought beforehand because they had already added, I think, Freddie Morris during the week and like adding depth to that running back room. Zach Zenner, I think, was a little... Zach Zenner, yeah. So like we can, we can, we can definitely see that this is suggesting those injuries are going to be an issue for them. I was a bit surprised by this because I didn't think that this was... Uh, necessarily a position that they needed to go and pick someone up and if they were going to pick someone up and maybe maybe it's just I've got the wrong impression of Kenyon Drake from beforehand but I wouldn't have thought of him as being the protect the quarterback kind of running back because I understand if it was to buy time or support for the young kind of quarterback there but I don't I'm not sure I see the fit here yeah but I think like Arizona have been pulling their 
running backs out wide basically as an extra receiver. I think Drake has been a pretty good receiving back over his time in Miami. Um, he certainly showed that at times. And I think he's kind of like a poor man's David Johnson in many ways, the way he's actually played when he's looked good in his career. I think Jace Edmonds was kind of taking over that kind of like first two down role mm-hmm. for the team. Um, but obviously with him being banged up, they're in a tight spot. They don't really want to have to roll out Alfred Morris. I think they still can at least be somewhat relevant. Um, but I think, you know, for a team turning over the roster at the moment, they're making lots of changes. Uh, though they do lack a little, maybe a little bit of draft capital, um, they're just kind of looking to kind of get these low-risk players. Like, is a sixth-rounder or fifth-rounder likely to give you as much production as Kenyon Drake in a spot you need like this? Very unlikely. So for a team looking to do that, kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. I suppose it tracks that way. And like I said, it's also probably for a guy who, well, maybe not a world beater is, you know, a starting or at least a back uh, committee starting running back. Getting <laughs> that for getting that for sixth uh, for a sixth round pick that uh, then only becomes a fifth if presumably you use him or resign him or something. Um, well, don't don't pick him up in your fantasy league because two of his next three uh, matchups are against the San Francisco defense. Oh god, that is that is a rough setup for him to be kicking off. Um, Dallas have this is this was one that actually happened during the week last week, and it was about two days afterwards that I realised that it happened. Uh, Dallas have given a seventh round pick to uh, New England for defensive end uh, Michael Bennett. So I think this can convert upwards uh, if he plays a lot or resigns or something with them. But this comes after, I think you'll remember we mentioned beforehand, he was uh, suspended for a week because of philosophical differences with one of his position coaches. He didn't seem to like the way he was getting used in uh, New England. And let's be honest, he's not exactly known for being a quiet player. doesn't quite fit into the New England traditional mould. But there was also uh, Jason Garrett, obviously the Dallas head coach, was asked a question uh, based on reports that he was also refusing um, to come out of the locker room during the National Anthems. And obviously the National Anthem issue has kind of gone under the radar this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously in a team like Dallas, where there's so much scrutiny, and which is America's team, um, the fact that it's been brought up at all might indicate maybe that was the philosophical difference. I think it's probably more likely the way he plays the game. Mm. Um, but that is something just to keep an eye on in case that becomes an issue. But uh, yeah, like Michael Bennett, he's kind of he's got one of these older veterans that's kind of getting swapped around over time. Mm-hmm. He fills a spot role, but his like value is diminishing over time. But still gets the job done, even if he gives you a few too many uh, faults, like uh, penalties, encroachment penalties for uh, some coaches. Yeah, and I think I think I think one of the criticisms he's had in recent years has been that he freelances a good bit off uh, what they are meant to be doing scheme wise. So we'll see. Because I suppose the thing very cheap for a veteran player who might be able to help them out in a spot even rotationally. This was a hell of a trade. I don't know why they accepted this. Fits you lucky bastard. Uh, the Seahawks for a fifth round pick pick up uh, Quandre Diggs and a seventh round pick from Detroit. He, very good pickup, I think, quality player, getting him for a very cheap price. The Detroit locker room were very unhappy with a number of them tweeting out about this afterwards, going like, what happened? Why are we trading him? This doesn't make any sense to us. But you were telling me um, it has something to do with they were evaluating a number of safeties and just had planned to move away anyway, I think. Yeah, although I think one of their safeties got injured at the weekend. Uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> 
thinking from the Detroit point of view, it, it did seem like a bit of an unusual move, but obviously we know that the, the that they 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 like they've been changing a lot of stuff over the last couple of years. There's even been rumours that Darius Slay um, has also been on the chopping block. But I think, yeah, like we obviously know we have a head coach from the Bill Belichick tree and Matt Patricia, and he's gonna impose his will on the team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I think still like. Trading away a good solid player with Connor Diggs in ring sense. For Seattle, it was basically a perfect move. Badly McDougald, um, probably their best safety, has been dealing with back spasms. Delano Hill, who seems starting, has also been dealing with injury issues. So they've been down to basically the bare bones of that position. So getting someone like Diggs is a, is a great move from their perspective. And by all accounts, he didn't do anything too bad uh, on the weekend. Um, so yeah, this is kind of like a good trade for Seattle. And they've been doing that more lately after a few years of kind of doing um, less less good trades after mm. the Super Bowl though. yeah of course uh, there's obviously a lot of other rumours flying around so um, apparently the uh, Washington Mazungus have given the go ahead for uh, exploring trade options for their left tackle who they have had a long standing issue with uh, him not playing and refusing to play for the team and so on but uh, early reports coming out from everywhere is that this was actually a huge mistake on their part that the market for him is cooled off um, given if you consider that the lead guys looking for him were the Browns and now the Browns are maybe not looking as likely a contender this year and uh, kind of softening off on that so uh, there's rumours flying about in there's rumours flying about AJ Green uh, there's rumours about Dallas looking at picking up Adams, the safety from the Jets as well. Is there anything else that you're hearing that look like might be uh, might be possible? Yeah, like there's so just a lot of rumours right now. We'll see how much them come to fruition. But yeah, I think Trent Williams would will will probably require a lot to get out of him. But he's a left tackle, so that could definitely happen. And uh, by all accounts, the Jets are listening about Jamal Adams, but they are asking for a lot, a whole lot, I guess the quote from uh, the mm-hmm. insiders at the moment. So it would be surprising to see those happen in literally an hour's time, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how things go. Like The majority of the ones that are left out there now tend to be ones where it's reported that they're looking for too much or they're looking for like players and picks. and uh, like, It's just too short a window to get those types of deals yeah. done unless you're already willing to... But obviously, when you're listening to this, you'll know what trades have and haven't gone through, and you'll listen, you'll break them live. But it is worth noting who these players are, because that obviously indicates players who may be less than satisfied with their current situation. Obviously, that means that trades or releases of them are more likely in the future. So mm. keep an eye on these kind of rumors. They, they can have some validity going forward. Oh, of course. Like I've heard, I've, I've heard uh, Melvin Gordon linked with about 12 different people today already. Um, cuts and firings. Atlanta have decided to get rid of kicker uh, Matt Bryant. He had not been great. Sub 65% accuracy this year. So they've signed uh, Young Hoku, who has worked out excellently for all like 15 organizations who have signed him beforehand, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe last spotted on the New England uh, practice squad. Uh, obviously, had a very tough start to his career with the Chargers, but it's Chargers, so who which kicker hasn't had a bad time there? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Matt Bryant, he, they brought him back late after releasing him earlier on in the offseason, kind of basically out of desperation, and he's looked out of shape, looked out of practice and, you know, this is probably the end of his career at this stage. Um, Father time comes for everyone, including kickers. Um, So, uh, 
you know, he's had a great career. Um, he'll probably be in one of the ring of honors probably around. But uh, yeah, this is probably the end of the road for him. No, of course. Uh, yeah, the Falcons are so irrelevant. It doesn't even matter. They miss as many kicks with this young guy. Yeah, to be honest, I'm surprised we haven't heard more words of pieces being sold off from that team so far. And uh, the Chargers have fired offensive coordinator Ken Wisenhunt. Um, yeah, they haven't really been performing this year and they've had some issues in past years. Although last year they overall did very well. Long-time coordinator for Rivers, but they haven't really been able to get the run game going. In particular, it was highlighted with that horrible kind of like run it three times, fumble and not get a not get a, a, a touchdown at the end of the game. They, we'll discuss their game this week later on, but like, you know, it, they are drastically underperforming for the amount of money and talent that's sitting on that side of the ball as well. Um, so obviously, I think the QB coach is taking over uh, Stickin, is it? Uh, yeah. And he's going to work with the head coach, Anthony Lynn, on that. But um, interesting. Do, do you see Wizen Hunt going anywhere after this? He feels like one of those retreads that might pop up somewhere. It's kind of, there's always, I suppose in the game of musical chairs, there's always going to be someone who's like, well, we didn't get who we wanted, so Wizard Hunt will do. And like, to be fair, his, his offenses for the Chargers the last couple of years have been generally okay, but I think it's just the decision to kind of go back to the run game, to go back to Melvin Gordon, despite it not working, um, perhaps has cost him here. And I think it's also Anthony Lynn trying, basically, it also feels kind of like Anthony Lynn making a move um, to try and delay the inevitable because if this, if this season keeps going as badly as it as it has been going at points there's a decent chance Anthony Lynn's going to be on the hot seat if not the, at the end of this year certainly going into next year yeah. um, it is worth noting Wizard Hunt is a kind of long time Rivers we won't say ally but like Rivers kind of uh, confidant mm-hmm. um, so that also Rivers contracts up at the end of the year Maybe there's some indication there that you know Rivers might be a little less happy about the situation. Well, there was reports uh, reports circling this week about the River situation and that they have been looking at replacements and doing a lot of work on the QB room and that you know basically there's a lot of talk that the team might actually be moving away from him as well. Uh, so yeah, you could see that kind of thing happening. We had a couple of injuries uh, this week, so probably the largest one is going to be. Uh, Houston defensive end J.J. Watt has torn his pectoral muscle. He's gone for the season. Uh, it really does impact their defense a lot. Merciless is still there, but this is a big hit for a team that is aspiring towards playoff position, but is possibly going to find it a little bit difficult there with all these injuries piling up and their secondary being what it is at the moment. Yeah, and like to be honest, even with JJ Watt, the defense wasn't exactly a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But this definitely just makes them a lot less dangerous on that side of the ball. Like Bill O'Brien, the way he's building the team as an offense first organization, it's going to have to be even more offense led after this. But uh, I think for JJ Watt, another year ending early. Um, that's definitely got to continue to that's, be concerned. Are there three of the last four or four of the last five yeah. now, isn't it? So you have to keep worrying about the longevity of him. And obviously, he's not really the same player he was when he was winning those Defensive Players mm. of the Year's awards. But, uh, yeah, I think for Houston, it'll probably make their defense worse. But considering how bad it was already, I don't know how much you'll notice. It just means more Deshaun Watson magic required. Yeah, Jesus, there was a good bit of that on show this weekend. Denver <laughs> quarterback Joe Flacco has injured his neck. Uh, they reckon he's going to be out for a minimum of five to six weeks. But he could be going on IR as well. Um 
Yeah, he's not been playing well. He was criticising the team after the game uh, this week. And rightly so, to be honest. Although, in the game the week beforehand, he looked like he just hadn't really gotten off the bus, even though it was a home game. It was just, yeah, it's a messy spot, but he's not really been performing, and that offence has been not really performing. So Yeah. And, like, I think, like, his complaint about his, like, coming out publicly probably is really the fact that he might expect not to be playing again for Denver and also from the fact that the team was criticising him and saying he wasn't passionate enough mm-hmm. I think definitely the relationship um, between him and Vic Fangio and Scarangello, uh, Scarangello uh, the OC has definitely deteriorated like, this is probably the end of Flacco I think they'll be bringing in uh, the journeyman uh, well they're going to have Brandon to Brandon Allen for now but once Drew Locke comes off IOR if he comes off IOR Expect him to be put right back in. Yeah, like um, they've they've currently got they've got no one on a ro- on their roster at the moment who's taken an NFL snap. Uh, they've got no experience on the roster currently, so they're going to have to bring someone in, or else it's going to be a real interesting start for them on uh, on on this weekend. Yeah, like <laughs> Denver are so bad right now. Maybe maybe having something different would be better. Maybe if just, Allen just moves faster. That just just wildcat it with Lindsay for the entire game. <laughs> Uh, New England wide receiver Josh Gordon, this is an odd one. So he's got a knee injury, so he's gone on IR. So that means that he's gone for the season. They don't expect to keep him. They're going to waive him. Uh, So they can't waive him until the uh, injury designation is removed. So that will basically mean he's going to end up in either the Dolphins or Cincinnati or somewhere along those lines because they'll get first choice on him. Uh, This has two reasons. One is by holding him past the trade deadline, he enters the waiver system rather than be a free agent to choose where he goes. So it means that no good team can take him. Well done, Bill. You're screwing over a player there for your own good. But it is deviously tactical, so I'll give him that. But also I believe this means that they can ensure that they have less of a cap hit to take against him. Even though his cap hit is microscopic, I think he's only counting for about $1 million against the cap or something. But um, they're so close, I think they've only got like $1.2 million in cap space at the moment. So Yeah, like it, it does feel a bit like a dick move. but uh, A lot like a dick move, to be honest. You know, like it's the Patriots, this is what they do. You know, they're not here to make friends. Um, and Josh Gordon, obviously, with his situation... There's rumours that he, he, he could be ready to play pretty soon. So I'm actually not sure on the rules about another team putting in IOR. I assume that is um, undone once he's removed. Uh, so he's he, 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 he being placed on IR means that he cannot be waived from the team until the IR designation is removed. Okay, so they so, would have to remove... So basically, yeah, they they're basically just waiting until they could they can remove the IR designation tomorrow morning, and then he'll go through the waiver system. Yeah, yeah, only if they're releasing it, because obviously you can't remove players from IR if you're keeping them. Um, so okay, so that means that someone could get their play in maybe towards the end of this season. But yeah, he from, from all reports, he seems to think he's about two weeks out from being ready. Yeah, and I think you know I think we all kind of want to see Josh Gordon do well in the league. You know, he's obviously had a lot of issues to fight through to get to this point and hopefully he can go to an organisation um, that will support him and make sure that he doesn't uh, get involved in any bad situations mm. we also have uh, New York Jets CJ Mosley has injured his groin he's out for five to six weeks possibly going to be gone for the season on IR 
Uh, he's a big knock. Like They've not been playing well without him. Their defence in the last couple of weeks has looked a lot worse, even with Sam Darnold back. Yeah, and uh, like I think if you think all the way to, back to week one where the defence was playing pretty well and CJ Mosley was doing well and then he went off early and the defence collapsed and basically that collapse has been slowly but surely unfolding for our eyes for the rest of this season and it kind of feels that like for a team where the offense is sticking up really bad the defense is certainly right up there and yeah for the jets just another lost season on the long long road of them uh, that's been around that team for nearly a decade now so uh, yeah yeah so it's just another it's just another hit for a team that just can't take anymore yeah, and into controversy corner, they're top of the list here. So the New York Jets yeah. have cut their offensive lineman Kelechi Assembly after refusing him permission for his shoulder surgery. So he and the NFLPA are obviously going to fight and go to town on the team here to try and get their money back. Uh, there are reports from multiple sources saying that he was being asked to take cortisone injections uh, to keep playing and to ignore the possible need for the surgery, even though it can have longer-term effects like weakening the cartilage and stuff. Like this sounds like a, like a breakdown in the relationship between these two, and then the the team just trying to fuck him. Uh, yeah, like this is like almost like a. You know, this is Mazungu esque. Let, let's use up our, 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 our like the karma of being so bad by being absolute dick to a player mm. um, that they traded for. Like Osemele has been on strong painkillers injections every week already. He obviously has been playing at 100%. He's been obviously been quite poor mm-hmm. um, in terms of his actual play. So he obviously knew he wasn't playing anywhere near where he needed to be. Uh, he said, I need to get surgery. And the team doctor basically said, no, you can, you can work through this if you take these injections and you keep working away. And I think the team doctor will probably be involved in litigation alongside the team. Um, so this is definitely a lot of shades of the Trent Williams situation, mm-hmm. albeit more of a footballing injury situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I expect as per things in America that there'll be a settlement at some point. But uh, Osemele with this her shoulder surgery, maybe that's what's been holding him back in recent years. He can get back recovered and be ready to go for you know a free agency to pick up next year and be back to the player that he was when he was. Uh, Killing it in uh, in the Ravens. No, of course, and if, like we couldn't let today go by without wishing happy birthday to Andy Dalton. Happy thirty second birthday, pal! Your present is you no longer have to quarterback that god awful Bengals team. As a birthday <laughs> present, they have decided to uh, remove him as the starter. Uh, I believe Ryan Finley, the backup quarterback, is going to take over. He's a fourth round pick out of North Carolina. Um, they don't look like that dissimilar to each other, really, on paper at any rate. But yeah, like I don't think I don't think there's much you could do with this offensive line that like there's no not really a change of quarterback that's gonna fix the offense. Yeah, no, this is just this this feels more like a move with an eye to next season or the season after. Like they, they picked Finley in the fourth round this year. He was pro-ready, came from a pro-type system in college, um, was generally pretty efficient, but kind of lacks the upside, seen more as a game manager, which sounds, as you say, a lot like Andy Dalton. So this doesn't feel like a a move uh, that's going to excite the fans too much, but hey, you have this rookie quarterback, you might as well see what you have. And with Andy Dalton obviously now being 32, he's on the probably the back end of his career, considering the level of quality has been even at his best. 
So he'll now join the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world on the, you know, marginal starter merry-go-round, probably joined by the likes of Jameis Winston and Mariota after this, um, where if he manages to wheedle his way into a starting job, he'll probably be doing well at this point. But, uh, yeah, probably the end of the, uh, could only describe it as the milk toast Dalton era. Um, in the in the in the Cincinnati uh, area, yeah, it feels like there's going to be a few of those kind of ones around. But that's the thing; it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword. Happy birthday! You don't have to get killed behind a terrible offensive line, but this is probably the end of you as a starter because I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. anywhere else is going to go. Do you know who'd really help us now? That Andy Dalton fella. Although I do think if they were smart and they could flip it in the next 45 minutes. Like, if you put Andy Dalton on the Bears, or even, I think to a certain extent, on the Bills, you might have a decent shot at going somewhere with the surrounding cast and the defense there. I don't think he's terrible, but I think he's right there in the middle. I definitely would be thinking the Bears would be able to do something with him. Do something like $7 million for the rest of this year, completely unguaranteed contracts next year, so you can cut him if you don't like him. Like, yeah, like it, it would make sense by... I don't think it's going to happen because I imagine if Finley, you know, blows like does really badly on the start as a Nate Peter, well, not so not maybe as bad Nate Peter, but as a bad start, they'll probably bring Dalton back in to steady the ship. Uh, but I think they're just they just want to evaluate and see if there's anything in this Ryan Finley kid. Yeah, no, of course, and sure, might as well try and get a look at it now. And with that, we will move on and have a look at the games from last week. Okay, first up we have Thursday Night Football, Washington and Minnesota. That was 9-19. Uh, this was a tough watch. Yeah, and it was... The only good thing about this game was mercifully short because both teams were just busy running the ball, running the clock. Minnesota, because they were basically ahead the entire game to various degrees, from 3 to, like, well, 10 points. Mizuku's um, because at this moment in time they just feel like a vehicle for... Adrian Peterson racking up rushing more rushing records. Like he's number five total now. He can get to number four maybe this season if he keeps going this way. Mm-hmm. But like Minnesota basically executed their perfect playbook. Lots of running. And then Cousins on play action getting to digs. Uh, Haskins did make an appearance in the second half, but he was crap again. Three for five, 33 yards, an interception. Um, so for the Mazungus right now, they, uh, you know, Good for good for Adrian Peterson, bad for everyone else in that team. No, of course. Seattle Atlanta twenty seven to twenty. Um, yeah, like Seattle looked good in the first half, dominant twenty four to nothing. They just completely shut down the second half. I don't know if it was protecting the playbook or whatever. Uh, let it get maybe overly close. Uh, but yeah, like Lockett did <laughs> decent hundred yards. DK shows his big red zone target body and gets two touchdowns. Carson runs well and I think doesn't fumble in this game, which is always a plus. Um, you got to be worried about your defense, though. Schaub puts up 460 yards, and they don't convert that into points all that effectively. But, like, you know, it was it was a soft-looking defense against, let's be honest, a pretty piss-poor Atlanta team. Julio had a big game, but, like, you know... Like, Schaub, I think he's now the franchise record holder for yards... <laughs> which is just that, that's like some uh, who was that backup for Green Bay uh, back in the oh day? yeah I know Chase Daniels in the like the five touchdown game wasn't it no it wasn't oh. Chase it was the one who ended up going to Seattle oh yeah, uh, yeah. 
the one who like, yeah it, it was it was definitely some situation like that and yeah Atlanta your defence still sucks and uh, yeah Seattle just just, just try to win a game easily. Yeah, Chargers at Chicago, seventeen to sixteen. My God, both teams just wanted to lose this game. I said last week, like this was a kind of a a, a loser has no sniff of a wild card game, and like to be honest, even the winner of this watching how this went doesn't. Chicago lost on a missed field goal at the tail end. Having said that, they didn't want to try and run it, even though they had forty four seconds and downs to go for fear of losing two yards. Uh, so they took a knee and lost two yards, which. You know, perfect perfect logic there. Good stuff. Uh, Trubisky was terrible. They had five trips in the red zone, one touchdown, three field goals, and a miss. Montgomery, they actually used their run game, which was good. But, like, the Chargers, sh- like, they should have lost this game, even though both teams were terrible. Like, I don't get where, what happened to this Chargers team that on paper should be good and is just stinking. Yeah, like it's really unusual. Like I think Rivers had at least a couple of plays all right, and he did have like a drop pass um, from Keenan Allen, which is most surprising. That should have been a touchdown. Oh, I remember but, that. Uh, yeah. it, it, it it was it was really like the Chargers looked as bad as ever, and obviously Melvin Gordon is doing nothing for them. And Eckler once again showed that he's the better running back if you want to score. And they they did finally like have like a pretty decent team from game from Joey Bosa, a couple of sacks, looked pretty dominant, a couple of tackles for loss, very. Not quite as good as his brother, as we're talking about at the moment, but he probably has less to work around with him. Um, but yeah, for Chicago, you know, they basically outchargers the Chargers here with that missed field goal to lose it. And now it's obviously the way that they, they conservative themselves out of any opportunity to make it easier. Um, and I think, like, yeah, the only bright spot for them, I suppose, is that the defense was pretty good in this game after having a few shaky weeks recently. Mm-hmm. Um, though, obviously not a great offense based on how they're playing in Chargers and yeah David Montgomery you should probably give him the ball more because you know, play him as Wildcat I don't know what you do because Trubisky right now is a massive massive drag on this team and there are major questions about what they're going to do um, after this season if he manages to even be starter at the end of the season 100% and when you consider and then when you think back to who they, they, they chose not to pick when they traded a ball that way in that draft uh, it only makes the uh, horrors of the Bears franchise right now yeah. even even sore right now. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, Giants at Detroit, twenty six to thirty one. That's a good Halloween ghost story right there. Oh now yeah. Now we pick Trubisky. We trade up for Trubisky instead of picking Deshaun Watson <laughs> or Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> good God. Giants at Detroit, twenty six to thirty one. Stafford does a good job here. Three hundred and forty yards, three touchdowns. Uh, they're feeling the lack of the run game. Like Kerryon Johnson being out, not helping them. They didn't get any production out of it. It's J.D. McKissick and Ty and stuff that they've got there. They need to... Dre Carson. Yeah, Dre. uh, Like, they need to... They need to get someone before this trade deadline. Or, like, this might be a perfect spot for Jay Ajayi or something to pop in and find a bit of work. Um, Defense looked okay. You know, nothing, like, passable. Jones was pretty decent in this game, I think. Uh was getting a lot of use out of Saquon and stuff, but they still got questions on that defense. They still got questions in the secondary. Um, yeah, like, unfortunately, just at the moment, this feels like two teams that are going to just lounge around that window of six to nine wins, I think, at this point. Yeah, and uh, I think for the Giants, that's okay because this is obviously the Daniel Jones experiment year. Mm-hmm. Saquon is still under contract for a few more years, so is Evan Ingram. 
Um, now, obviously, the defense needs a complete rebuild. Uh, like Matt Stafford has been pretty good recently, let's be honest, but uh, he didn't really have to work too hard um, to get his yards in this game. Uh, he, when Danny Amendola's getting nearly 100 yards, that's probably an indication that you're not doing a great job um, or you're, you're, you're choosing, basically, to prevent getting burned completely um, by leaving the uh, everything open underneath. Um, so I think, but for the Lions, obviously, they get the win here. They're maybe marginally relevant for a wild card, but, like, to be honest, in the NFC, where there's so many powerful teams lining up just for the wild card, even within their own division, um, it, it's hard to see without a run game, with a you know a decent but not really spectacular defense that they have the firepower to get it done. Matt Stafford's doing everything he can at the moment to kind of keep them relevant, but yeah, based on these performances, it, it's kind of hard to see that they might be able to do enough. Um, I wouldn't cut them out completely, but yeah, they just seem to like that kind of mm. little bit of solidity to kind of be considered like a genuine contender. No, of course, and we'll dig into that next week when we're looking at our. Uh halfway point kind of uh, review of the season so far next up was a oh yeah a Jets at the Jags 15 to 29 and it doesn't feel like there was only 14 points between these teams yeah speaking of uh, Halloween uh, the Jacksonville <laughs> Stadium uh, were making fun of Sam Darnold based on his comment of seeing ghosts in the New England game oh, it was and great. showing a, a blooper reel ri- live of all of his mistakes in the game um, and bringing up references to set that. to set to the Ghostbusters music. <laughs> yeah, set to the Ghostbusters music. Um, like the fair to Darnold, he didn't really stand much of a chance because that O line allowed eight sacks. Um, now maybe you could take more sacks, like maybe three sacks instead of three, like eleven sacks and three uh, and zero interceptions is better than three interceptions and eight sacks, but. Uh, not good either way. No. Um, I suppose, uh, at least on the other side, the Minty Magic was back at least for one week uh, as Fournette continues his kind of solid campaign. Uh, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because Minty has struggled in recent weeks, looked better this week with 279 yards, three touchdowns. Um, but obviously, Nick Foles expected back in week 11. So it'll be really interesting to see what they end up doing when he comes back after the bye. So uh, I think. For Jacksonville, they continue to put it wrong. Probably relevant for the wildcard hunt, but uh, yeah. Don't really see them as a full contender, to be honest, yet. But Fulls could have that potential. Yeah. I, can, I can see them pushing for, for a wildcard, yeah. Cincinnati at Rams was another kind of stinker. It looked like it could be all right, mostly through the first half. There was kind of back and forth, but then it just got out of hand. Cooper Cup blew the top off the place over 220 yards. Uh, Gurley still not looking that great. They gave him less than half the carries from the backfield. But this Cincinnati team just looked toothless. They didn't have weapons to go to when they needed it. Mixon had a good day on the ground, but like, yeah, like the team is done. Like we said, they're benching their quarterback and trying out the rookie. All the eyes on this season now are barring the rookie going off or something. It's week 15, them versus the Dolphins, the toilet bowl for the number one pick. Like that's the highlight of the upcoming schedule for this team and the Dolphins, essentially. Um, Rams look fine, but nothing special. Pardon? And now the new quarterback. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, Next up, we had Tampa Bay at Tennessee, twenty-three to twenty-seven. Yeah, Yeah, I I was impressed a bit. There's a couple of throws in this game that Tannehill made, particularly the one that was, I think, is a Tajay Sharp touchdown over the shoulder into the corner of the end zone, and it was beautiful it was exactly the kind of throw that Marcus Mariota has not and never will be able to make uh, yeah I thought it was, it was, it was yeah. 
cracking production from Tannehill when you compare what the offense looks with him versus like what it looked like with Mariota. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of basically. I think he, he just suits this a lot more. Like they're they obviously are a run first team, uh, but that means that when you do do the play action, when you do set up a throw, you just want them to do it if the guy is open and not take a sack instead, which was basically mm-hmm. the Mariota experience. Um, but like this was a win, I suppose, for solidity over variance because like yeah, Tennessee basically they were outgained significantly in this game, but they had four turnovers. Uh, and were efficient in the red zone uh, with Tannehill basically doing enough with his three touchdowns and mm-hmm. 200 yards. But Jameis Winston, this was like peak Jameis, like some incredible like plays as he like basically ran back and forth behind that line, which to be fair wasn't doing much for him. Uh, like 300 yards, two interceptions, two tight touchdowns, and two forced fumbles, and basically giving Mike Evans a shit ton of yards yeah. on what were ridiculous throws all the time. The thing, like, he should have been picked off several more times on the throws yeah. to Evans, because he just realised, oh, we've got a big, huge, very good receiver here. Why don't you just fire it into triple coverage against him, and, like, he'll probably be free. And Evans <laughs> came out afterwards and complained to the media, going, like, yeah, I'm a big dude, even if I'm covered, throw it to me, I'm not covered. Like... Like the mistakes, you know, this is just the, the Tampa Bay. This is what we expected before the, the, the season. It's what we're getting all the time. It's sometimes fun to watch. Um, perhaps they'd be more fun to watch, like in January than Tennessee. But they're not a good team overall, and the mistakes just keep stacking up. Although, to be fair, they did get one. I think screwed over by the refs. Eh, oh, they, they blew uh, the uh, the the fake punt dead, wasn't it? Yeah, so there was a yeah a turnover on a fake punt, but I believe they had it down by contact and it was whistled dead, uh, even though it was actually a fumble. Uh, but because it's whistled dead as, as from the contact, there's no reviewing that situation. Yeah. Uh, so they'll rue that mistake, and uh, I believe Bruce Aarons came out with some uh, pretty harsh words about the lack of accountability for referees, which he'll probably get fined for. But uh, look, Tampa Bay, they, they could have won this game, but... Yeah, they have James Winston, so they didn't. No, of course. Uh, next up was another bit of a, a bit of a stinker. Philadelphia Buffalo, thirty-one to thirteen. Yeah, I, I think this is an important game in terms of where we see these two teams, but the actual game itself isn't really that interesting. Like Philadelphia basically uh, out Buffaloed Buffalo. They, you know, had good defense, only allowed two hundred fifty yards, had a turnover and four sacks. They ran the ball really well with Howard getting 96 yards and Sanders getting 74, including on a really long touchdown. And he's, he's shown a few of those explosive plays. So I might be yeah. able to see how much they mix him in. Going he injured his shoulder Howard. as well, though, didn't he? Yeah. He, he, I think he's expected to be back next week. Though. Okay. Like, I think Howard's been solid and been really effective, but they might sprinkle in a bit more Sanders mm. there. Uh, but I think what we saw here was Buffalo, a team, obviously, who only had one loss in the season against the New England Patriots. You know, just that lack of consistency on the offense was exposed again. Like Josh Allen, he looks great on some plays, but there's just no consistency. There's no ability to put drives together. They're so reliant on those big plays, especially when the run game was shut down like it was mostly done here. And, you know, the D, which was so strong at the start of the season, regressed a bit here. They were weak up the middle. You can punch them, it seems, if you're willing to go basically conservative like Philly did with the run game. Um, And obviously, if that defense isn't playing at a really high level, you know, Josh Allen just isn't good enough to get them to win games like this. No, of course. Uh, Denver at Indianapolis, 13-15. to Yeah, Indy come out with the win in a tight game. Field goal from Vinatieri looks good. But 
Like, it wasn't a great performance for them. I don't know if it was just Denver stepping up after getting a kicking the week beforehand or whether it was they had the extra time from the Thursday to scheme for it, but this Indianapolis offense looked a little bit confounded at times and they'd been able to, to, to do its job pretty well for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Flacco, like we mentioned beforehand, came out and complained after the game saying... Like, what are we meant to be doing here? And he's, he's right to, to, to a certain extent. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm looking at the way that their offense is playing and going, yeah, I need to put the ball in Joe Flacco's hands. Like, he's going to be our best option. But there's two minutes left. You're down and it's third and five. And you start running, like, really badly drawn up run plays instead of trying to just go for it. Like, I just, yeah, I, 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 I don't buy it. Yeah, like I, I think, like I think these this this matchup actually shows the kind of very tight margins there are between success and failure in the NFL, and what the value of like having players people believe in a quarterback and coach. Um, but like, yeah, Indianapolis they win on a like um, a Vinatieri field goal, who they they stuck with him through his issues earlier on in the year, and he actually had a mixed extra point as well um, earlier on, which is why they were down by one before the field goal. But uh, yeah, I think Denver have been like I think we've said it before, but like Denver, particularly earlier in the year, were solid. They were getting okay results. They were getting yards, but they weren't getting touchdowns. They weren't getting the turnovers, and they still aren't really now. And I think that's the difference. Like you could be solid and okay, but if you're not getting any explosive plays, if you're like a five yard per like if you're sorry, your three yard per play offense and a no turnover defense, you're not going to win games in the NFL. I think the difference is that Indianapolis. They have a lot of young players, they have a lot of difference makers, and they have a Jacoby Brissett, a player that they seem to be yeah. behind. And Denver just have none of that mm. right now. So even though maybe the, the level of play they've been doing has been quite similar, that difference in belief just seems to be making is all the difference between yeah. like, like, what, where these teams what, are right now. What I'd advise the listeners are, there's not much to, uh, to watch in this game apart from there is a phenomenal moment where Brissett is trying to get the team back together, out, playing out of his own end zone. Von Miller comes through the line. He makes Von Miller look like a clown, dances around him, swings out of a tackle, and then throws a ball about 45 yards downfield to T.Y. Hilton, making an incredible like toe-tap catch on the far right-hand side. It was it was a f- probably play of the week for me. Like It was just... I was, well, actually, I'm, I'm forgetting about that uh, blind touchdown that uh, was thrown in the in the Houston Texans game as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll come to that one in a bit. Next up was a stinker, Arizona, New Orleans, 9-31. to Breeze is back, looks good, 373 touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Taysom Hill getting some nice catches as well. He got a touchdown, I think, about 70 yards in that one. And uh, Latavius Murray looked good stepping in and filling in for the role, had a couple of very nice runs. Um, Arizona, yeah, look, they scored nine points. Murray's looking very pedestrian. Nothing really happening. This is a very good Saints defense, but there's just nothing going there. I think they're doing well enough to be like, okay, it's not a bust pick. They can build here, but I'm not sure what they're building around is my only concern. We'll talk about that at the halfway point review, but like, I kind of understand that he's an okay quarterback. I'm not sure what they're doing at running back. I know they they got some performance out of Christian Kirk, who's a young wide receiver, but like, like Larry Fitz doesn't... I'm surprised he's got this year left in him, let alone him staying there for a rebuild kind of thing. I don't know where that team is yet, apart from just not there yet. Um, the next one was also a bit of a one-sided affair. Carolina at San yeah. Francisco, 13-51, to 51, an act of scorigami. 
Yeah, yes, of course. Scorigami being the act of having a final score that has never been achieved before in the NFL according to any known records. Um, once again, like the Philadelphia-Buffalo game, the result is significant, but the game isn't really worth watching because the San Francisco 49ers just did better football than Carolina. Like Carolina have been a solid enough team and have shown at times some pretty cool stuff, mostly Christian McCaffrey, but then they come against this juggernaut uh, where the run game of like that, that Shanahan's put together was incredibly innovative, incredibly interesting, uh, but basically 105 and three yards and three touchdowns for Coleman alone, and then 140 for the rest of them. Um, and the defense just annihilated Kyle Allen. Seven sacks, three interceptions. He hadn't thrown an interception up to this point. Richard Sherman made sure to uh, retweet some stuff about that fact uh, after the game. <laughs> um, and basically three of those sacks and one of those interceptions went to uh, the young Nick Bosa. Um, so, you know, he put in another defensive player of the year type performance. He's obviously coming into health now. And, you know, when you, when you talk about this talent that they have on defense... Um, it's just ridiculous right now. Like D Ford is a situational pass rusher for them. It's just not fair what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the only the only real implication for this for, for for Carolina, except that they're not really where this team is, is that this might be the kind of performance that means that Cam might be nudged back a little bit sooner than if Carolina continue to be efficient. Well, I was actually going to say this is a great game to happen before he's available. I think they were talking about it being available for next week anyway. But this kind of calms down a little bit the uh, oh maybe we should just stick with the new guy maybe he's really good this is a nice one for him to come in and just be like okay well if he doesn't throw a couple of picks then he's he's doing well it's a nice kind of ca- palate cleanser nearly for the fans if you want um, next up Oakland at Houston this was a very exciting game 24-27 to 27. late game heroics from Watson saved them as I mentioned earlier he <laughs> He, he threw a touchdown after getting kicked in the eye and not being able to see and threw the goddamn touchdown. It was it was well, incredible. I, I thought he, he always had like that pirate kind of like, you know, like, you know, yeah. when you're close ah. you got to get a better, a better, more accurate view. No. Maybe it actually helped him with the darn bells. That's it. Hopkins did well. Uh, their tight end fells got two touchdowns. Like, Oakland had the lead, but then they were just not able to eke it out, not able to eat the clock, not able to manage it correctly. Um... I don't know, like, I I kind of, I'm coming around on this Oakland team a bit. I think they might be in the hunt for a wildcard spot if they can kind of keep the performance up they are. But they have that kind of almost Chargers-y vibe of, like, they're going to make a balls of it. Like, if there's a way for them to just slip up at the end, they're going to do it. Because, like... They could, have, they could have been a lot more competitive against Green Bay. They nearly let it slip against the Bears in London. Like There was plenty of spots where they're just not quite polished there, but there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, and I, think, I think that reflects two, two problems with them. One, as you say, is they're not able to close out games. I think that's particularly galling because obviously they got Josh Jacobs. He's actually been really good. They should be a good running team, and they're, you know, they're good at short passes with Derek Carr as well. But it just seems that they're not able to close that game. Like it's too conservative versus how they actually play when you know they have to like when they're getting into the lead in mm-hmm. the first place. Um, like even if you think about like KC game back earlier in the season, that was another one where they looked pretty good early on and then just faded away. Mm-hmm. And I think the other problem is that like it's related. It's kind of like they rely on such small margins. You know, like Derek Carr here, eighteen for thirty, two hundred eighty-five yards, like. He's just not making any throws downfield. They got Tyrell Williams back 
didn't make a huge difference here, to be honest. Like they had a couple of like intermediate throws, but just none of those like home run hitter things uh, throws that he's making here. So I just think like, yeah, like the Raiders, they are competitive, they are good, but honestly, right now they feel like another Tennessee, basically solid, but they have a bit more fuck up in them. And as for Houston, like how long can you live off the Sean Watson alone? Well. They'll probably live off until like the wild card round, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like the Sean Watson is just playing amazing football right now, and and you know obviously he has like you know Dondre Hopkins to help him there, and Darren Fells helped out with two touchdowns. But uh, yeah, like the Sean mm-hmm. Watson is carrying that team, and uh, you know if he keeps playing like that, long may it continue to be honest. Yeah, of course. Cleveland, New England, thirteen to twenty-seven. Uh, Baker Mayfield is not very good. Like that's pretty much the takeaway from this season so far like less than 200 yards their chub looked good their play calling looked awful Cleveland collapsed really early they had three turnovers they were down by 17 points and New England are able to just essentially coast Tom looked a little bit better in this game 260 and two touchdowns but like it, their offense doesn't amaze me their defense looks strong I still haven't seen them tested um there's not very much you can take out of this game apart from, yeah, Browns not very good, New England a lot better, but yeah. we don't know exactly how bad the Browns are because we've seen them be good at times and they do have the skill, and we don't know exactly how good New England are because they've beaten up on teams, but like they've got by a distance the easiest schedule in the league at the moment. Yeah. So. But this was a time as a flat circle game where with Bill Belichick who obviously got his first win as a head coach with the Cleveland Browns against the uh, Patriots, got his 300 win in this game as a New England coach. So he's retiring then, right? Uh, no, <laughs> I think he actually said recently, yeah. he told Robert Cote that he's going to retire in the 70s, and he said he, 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 he's changed his mind. Yeah. So unfortunately, Connor, the AFC will continue to probably have Bill Belichick around. Uh, probably get him working on like, annihilating Tom Brady somehow maybe that might be easier mm, that's probably a better one uh, Green Bay Kansas City 31-24 to uh, this was a very fun game actually I watched it the following day I, I couldn't quite bring myself to get up at like, I think it was 4 in the morning or 3 in the morning to be watching it out here um, the Kansas City defense looks a lot improved over the last two weeks uh, but they had a fumble from Shady McCoy in the third quarter that really kind of caused the issue because when you look at this game yardage first downs Almost everything is identical between the two teams. The one difference is one fumble versus another. Um, the offense worked surprisingly well with Matt Moore under center. Uh, moved the ball quite effectively. Brought them back. They fell into a 14 to nothing hole early, but then were able to bring it back and actually leading going into the half, but then weren't able to close it out. Uh, for the Packers, Rodgers looked very good. Their defense looked quite strong. He had a couple of fantastic throws, but Aaron Jones just had a big day both on the air and in the ground. In the ground, on the ground. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the the big question right that's coming out of this is a decision by Andy Reid with five minutes left to punt the ball rather than go for it on fourth and three. Um, so it, it it it's an interesting tactical decision that. I don't know if you have a take on it. Um, I think the main issue was just that the defence, after the turnover, were a bit gassed and had basically spent most of the quarter on the field. Yeah, like I think... Uh, I don't have a huge view on the, the punt thing, except the note I, I, <laughs> I did notice uh, it came up on the Surrender Index mm. uh, Twitter profile, which I very much enjoy following. Uh, for those who don't know, the Surrender Index was a 
Index, created by John Boyce, uh, known for his Breaking Madden series, among other things. Uh, uh, I forget what the crazy NFL history future one was called, but mm. uh, he created this index of how cowardly a punt is, and this was within the 98th percentile of cowardness for this season, and the 95th percentile for all punts since 2009, uh, when these mm. statistics are available. But yeah, like I think... I think when you have, if it was Patrick Mahomes, I'd probably agree that was a complete cop out. But it's Matt Moore. Mm. He had been good, but I suppose, and your defense, I suppose it has been better. I can see the view of it, but I, you know, I think you see the difference when you have Pat Mahomes. There. Pat Mahomes would have forced him to take it. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. But yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers would have been hard to deny, even if they had managed to. Oh yeah, I think I, th- I think part of it that played into it was that they had all three timeouts, and Andy Reid was like, "No, I've been good. I haven't squandered them. I want to be able to use them." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. To be honest, I, I came out of this game thinking actually positive about both teams. I think Green Bay looked good. They were able to deal with kind of probably a lot more than they were expecting coming out of the Chiefs. But also, like the Chiefs' defense genuinely looked a lot better. Uh, their offense was still moving without Patrick Mahomes in there. I feel I feel definitely very good about things like the match against the Titans. Say, uh, even though there's a chance that Mahomes might be back for that, but like I wouldn't. I I I I'm, I think the changeover in defense is really what's what's got me very impressed with like the Green Bay offensive line has been good and their offense has been very good this season. So I take a lot more from that than just a beatdown of the Broncos on a Thursday night football. So the, the, the after that, uh, very very fun Sunday night football. You know, overturning our expectations. Despite Matt Moore starting, we had the uh, definitely well within expectations Monday night football between Miami at Pittsburgh, fourteen to twenty-seven win for Pittsburgh. Uh, a bit of fits on fits violence here. The Fitzpatrick clan is all all, all a buzz on our on our secret WhatsApp um, <laughs> with Mickey Fitzpatrick picking off uh, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick Fitzmagic twice. In this game, obviously after getting traded in his revenge game, uh, mm. this is a pretty good revenging. Like Miami got 14 nil up, and you know I don't want to be conspiratorial, but uh, then they decided to basically uh, do all of the worst play calling in history after that, including on I believe a third and 20 having a zero blitz, which is where you send everyone except for I think two cornerbacks um, and Kevin up because they were both an off coverage as well. Um, so Miami. They're, they're tanking good. They they, they are actively calling plays to ensure they don't win. Like yeah, and uh, you know Pittsburgh, like they're 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 they they ran the ball really well with James Conner. Mason Rudolph was there, I'm told. Uh, though they were hard to see how much he did. Um, and I think Pittsburgh, obviously, with all the trades they did, maybe they expected maybe be a marginal wildcard contender. But to be honest, based on this, I wouldn't really consider them to be. But uh, obviously, they're a good organization, so they'll keep trying. Um, yeah, but uh, had enough for a Miami team deliberately losing. No, of course. Uh, yeah, it was an absolute stinker. Both these teams should just give up, stop playing, just just stop. So we'll move on. We'll have a look at some questions from the listeners. Okay, so first up, we have a question about the trades. So there's a lot of confusing trades. Why are failing teams buying into expensive pieces or future pieces? And the example given is New York Giants getting Williams, Arizona getting Drake, and the rumors of Browns going after Williams from Washington. Um, Well, I suppose the idea would be 
in my head. Well, I think I, I agree with you. I don't think some of these make sense necessarily in the immediacy. It might be a, a point where, say for the likes of Williams, the left tackle, uh, player that quality might not be necessarily always available for trade and they might not be available for trade when it comes to the off-season. Uh, or it might be that, you know, if they get to the off-season, they'd be free agents and they wouldn't choose to go to your organisation. So this might be a route sometimes <laughs> for them to get picked up and into contracts and into positions that they might not otherwise be able to attract them into as free agents. So I think about that for the likes of the Williams one. Although, like we said, we're now getting close to the deadline and we've not heard anything yet. So I don't imagine that one's going through. But yeah, like... I suppose it's just an idea of get in pieces that you think will work in the time frame because we're looking at it in the immediacy of this season. But maybe some of these head coaches are thinking this is a piece that we can work with for the next three years and we'll keep them and we'll get it done. Yeah, I think it's also a little bit maybe trying to follow the trend without perhaps understanding or having the you know the, the resources, scouting analytics in place to, to see where the actual value is. Like we know that New England and teams like Philadelphia in recent years have had success doing these kind of like you know speculative trades, um, but I'm just not sure that like Arizona or the Giants or the Browns are doing it in that kind of considered way. We know Philly has a good analytics engine. We know New England have Bill Belichick. These maybe they're just trying to get a simulacrum of that type of approach to GMing. Yeah. But uh, we'll see if any of them work out. But as you say, none of these are high risk. They're all kind of you know, low money up front, so it's probably fine in those cases. Those the, rookie contracts just make trading for the last year pretty cheap. No, honest. of course. And uh, the other one is, uh, given a lot of the talk about uh, young Bosa in San Francisco for Defensive Player of the Year, or sorry, Defensive Rookie of the Year, but now increasingly some calls for Defensive Player of the Year, who are the best brothers in the NFL? The Watts or the Bosas? So obviously they've uh, TJ and JJ, uh, very inventive names there, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Watt, um, in the NFL playing uh, for Pittsburgh and for the Houston Texans. And we've also got the Boses on the 49ers and the Chargers. Um, yeah, what's your take on this, Fitz? Well, I, the, the, there's always a tiebreaker in my mind, and it's the fact that the third Watt brother, yeah. uh, Derek Watt, is a fullback. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I love me some fullbacks, so that by default, must make the Watts the superior NFL brothers. The fullback is the most important position in the NFL. It's on in the Pro Bowl. So, you know, the Boses are very, very good, don't get me wrong. But when they play fullback, you can get back to them. That's true. Although, bear in mind, <laughs> the Boses, to my knowledge, have not been filmed uh, rapping along to Fort Minor in the most staged training montage I've ever seen on Hard Knocks. Um yeah, I'm, I'm. Fullbacks carry their team, and Derek is carrying the Watt team. Of course, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, like I think practically for the moment, because of the career he's had and the achievements he's had so far, whereas the other ones are kind of younger into it, probably the Watts just on the basis of JJ Watts' career to date. Although I could very much see, particularly with the injuries with him at the tail end, now if the Boses stay kind of producing at this level for you know proper career lengths then I could definitely see them overtaking and to be fair the Watts including the fullback thing there's a bit more diversity to them whereas the two bosses just like literally looked like they were cloned and yeah. they're just like t- like taken out of the cloning bat at different times to get rid of suspicion I assume <laughs> yeah ever so slightly they're like uh, no 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 we'll just separate them by like what two three years yeah they even have the same gait when they're running like it's just yeah very strange 
Interesting. So, uh, I suppose with that, we'll move on to our picks for next week. Okay, so first up we have Thursday Night Football, San Francisco at Arizona. San Francisco, Arizona are terrible, San Francisco are undefeated. There's not really much to this one. Yeah, like I think Arizona, it'd be interesting to get anything going or if this just turns into another week where San Francisco actually just fully run over them. Yeah, and, I think Kyler Murray you know, might get... Yeah, he can run very, faster than those defensive linemen mostly, I'd say. Hopefully. But he might need to get D four out because he's probably their fastest guy. So just put him as a spy just to make sure he doesn't get too crazy. No, of course. Uh, Houston at Jacksonville. I have gone for Jacksonville. And you've gone for Houston in this one. This is an yeah. interesting one. Like, I'm going for Houston just because they have Deshaun Watson. Like, to be honest, they don't really have that much else going on. Well, obviously, besides the people that he's, he's, he's mm. throwing to. Um, and the run game's actually been okay. Uh, but yeah, like Jacksonville are a solid team. They're at home, but uh, I just think like Deshaun Watson against Gardner Minshew, despite the the glory of Minshew magic, uh, it just it's hard to pick against that. Yeah, the thing is, I'm just looking at thinking about like that Houston secondary. Minshew's going to be able to enjoy their guy. Like, Gary and Connolly is your fix that's gone in there. Um, <laughs> Houston are now missing JJ Watt, which I think is a big hit to their being able to bring pressure against them because they've got performance in that line. And they also had uh, Laramie Tunsil leave with an injury in the game there. We have no word about whether that will hold him out of uh, this matchup. But there's been production on that Jacksonville defense, particularly at the sack stuff. And Deshaun Watson is known for holding the ball too long, particularly if... Yeah, like I, I, can, I can see it going each way. I just said, let, let's hope for Minshew Magic so that uh, Big Dick Nick can just say and be the backup who comes in to play for them in the AFC Championship game, you know? You have the pick space at the moment to do some fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm up by, what, seven games, I think, at this point? Yeah. Yeah, so we've got, we've got a bit of space, bit of space. Uh, that's why I had the Hubers to pick my Chiefs last week, and then it was actually pretty close. Uh, Chicago at Philly, we've both gone for Philly. Yeah, like Philly looked like they were getting back to basics and remembering how they actually play football. Chicago have a very good defense, and they have yet to figure out that their quarterback does not play quarterback. He is just an... He's like a broken jugs machine trying to fire balls off in random locations. Like, it's just not good. I, w- I would completely dismiss uh, uh, Chicago completely. Their defense is really good. We know that. And you kind of feel like... Like, Trubisky has had games in the past where he kind of just blew up and started running a lot mostly um, so you know Chicago they're, they're a solid team Matt Nagy is getting some, some stuff there in Montgomery uh, but yeah based on form it's hard to beat against Philly Minnesota at KC this is a surprise I wasn't sure I didn't think we were going to be in agreement on this one uh, both gone for KC yeah like uh, I think it's interesting I think, I, I, like, like Minnesota obviously KC are winning have a winning record I know that hasn't worked all of this season but uh I think Minnesota away from home in a high-pressure situation. Um, that's where they seem to have fallen apart recently. I think this is actually a really big, a really big game for Minnesota. They've they've turned the the cart back around. They're back on form. They're coming against Matt Moore. You would expect they'd have a good chance, but it just kind of feels like the Chiefs, after losing against Green Bay in a close game, they'll feel confident that they they, they haven't collapsed completely without Patrick Mahomes, and they'll want to make a statement here that they can be a solid team. The main focus, obviously, is stopping Dalvin Cook, forcing the game into Cousins' hands. And if they can manage to do that, then Casey definitely have a chance. And with the weapons that they have on offense, with Tyreek Hill, with Travis Kelsey, and if they can get the run game going, like the Minnesota defense isn't bad. I wouldn't go that far, but certainly hasn't been playing up to the level that we would expect from them. And if anything, like this, this Minnesota team just feels a bit like that Case Keenum team a few years ago, 
yes, they're good, but they can still be beat on their day. Yeah. To be honest, I kind of I'm 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 50-50 on this. I'm just gonna go in with the gut for like for the KC vibe. But I do have that feeling of like with Minnesota team, so many people are talking them up and kind of going, oh, are these guys the second best team in the NFC and stuff? I think that's a massive overstatement of like they've had a good run of four games. That that Thursday night game last week was not all that impressive. And we've seen them go on these little tears beforehand where they've been good and then Cousins brings them back down to earth. And maybe this might be that spot. Having said that, now I've said that KC are going to lose. But I think it's, it's worth saying that I think... They are being rated a little bit too highly at the moment, uh, just based off three a three game sample rather than considering where they were beforehand or what the flaws underlying the roster are outside of that. Uh, Indianapolis at Pittsburgh, we've both gone for Indianapolis. Yeah, Indy look good. I think they're better than their performance last week. Pittsburgh don't have an offense at all at the moment, albeit Juju did his best to try and single-handedly win that game for them uh, last week and succeed. But yeah, Pittsburgh's defense is good, but Indy can just kind of lay into the ground game. I just think they're a more complete team. I just think in Pittsburgh, it has a chance of being similar to the Denver game they had this week. It'll be a bit closer than you would like. Uh, but yeah, I think Indianapolis, they've shown that they can grind it out if they have to. Uh, but I wouldn't dismiss Pittsburgh completely. Just no, for... I wouldn't either. But I just, yeah, I, I, I trust the Indy team more. Uh, Jets at Miami. Uh... If, if a team doesn't care enough to show up, then we don't care enough to say anything except that they're going to lose. So Jets. Yeah, Even Jets. Even though the Jets are terrible. Yeah, the Jets are not good at the moment. But yeah, I, I heard a great line earlier the, in the week and someone said... Jesus, isn't MIA the perfect abbreviation for that team? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Washington of Buffalo, we are both going for Buffalo because, well, yeah, Washington, like, yeah, yeah, that'll do. (laughs) Just just run the ball, involve Singletary more, he looks pretty good when he's on there, Uh, so this is a chance to give him some yards and get excited for the back end of the season and see if you can not throw away your good early uh, season record. Yeah, Tennessee, Carolina. That definitely is something that could happen. Oh, it definitely is, yeah. Like, do you remember our rationale for picking Philly last week to beat them? It was like, yeah, this Bills team is not a 5-1 team. Like, <laughs> this is an actual team they're going to be playing, so we're just going to guess they're going to lose and come back down to normality for their for their record. Tennessee, Carolina. We've both gone for Carolina. This yeah. is one that could be close... So I've I've done this I've done this based on the idea that I think Cam is back. Yeah, like it's going to be a close game, but yet I still somehow fail to care because both these teams feel like at the very best they'll get to the wild card and get knocked out. Yeah, and they're both solid teams. They're both run heavy teams. They both have good defenses. No, but I will say I don't I, think we're seeing anything much upside here. I'm 100 percent with you on Tennessee. I do think if Cam comes back and is healthy. That could provide a bit of a spark to this Carolina team. Because yeah. I wouldn't count them out. Like, again, I don't think they can dig themselves. I think they're two games back in that division. Like, yeah. I don't see them being able to make it to anything other than the wild card. But I could see them doing a bit of fun in the wild card, you know? But he's not playing in this game. I think that's confirmed. So. Oh, right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, still, I still don't like Tennessee that much. So, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Detroit at Oakland. We disagree. I've gone for Oakland. You've gone for Detroit. Like I mentioned earlier, I like that Oakland offense. I think they're clicking quite well. I think their defense is missing a couple of pieces. But I also think the Detroit team, with the lack of run game and stuff, is falling apart a little bit. Um, it's at home in Oakland. They haven't had a home game in, what, two months at this point? 
So, um, and like I said, I sneaky think that they could be in the hunt for a wild card, whereas I think Detroit are going to fall off. It is like a marginal hope game. It's like both these teams are like, maybe we could do it. Detroit are in the NFC. It's going to be a lot harder for them. But yeah, like I think Detroit, I think Matt Stafford is playing really well right now. And as I said, like Oakland, their margins of error are so small. So I could definitely see, even if they go up early, which they've been doing recently, Matt Stafford is playing well right now. I could see them coming back and winning this. Um, but yeah, like uh, yeah, Oakland are solid. Detroit are solid. Um, they're both fine. But yeah, not not really. Probably going to be too relevant um, when the games actually matter. Yeah, so um, I, but they're both better than they might have expected to be based on where they were last year. But this is like this. This, this is the thing. This is a big uh, spot for them. So they're a three-win team so far. They got the Lions this week, which is a tough game. They got the Chargers, who are not playing particularly well. The Bengals, who are bleh, Jets. Bleh. They got the Chiefs, so it'll be difficult. The Titans, who are I don't know, Jags up in the air. That, 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 that Titan team already sounds like a wild card type bowl, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Like that's the thing. And then they've got the Chargers and the Broncos again. So it is a spot where they could easily get to nine or ten wins. If they would win something like this, they could get to ten wins. Like, but I think it's, it's it'll be an interesting one. Tampa Bay at Seattle, both gone for Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Pete, Pete Carroll, Pete, don't try and run it against Tampa Bay. That's the one thing that they're pretty good at. Just throw the ball to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Their secondary is complete and utter trash ass. And you'll probably win this game. 100%. But obviously, Seattle are very bad at, at just winning games easily. So probably another stressful uh, time going into my sleep time. Like oh. Every Seattle game is terrible for actually getting to sleep on Sunday night. I don't believe that there'll be any exception here. I'd imagine so. The only thing is, like, even with your defense underperforming, like, you've got to get, what, two, three picks here in this one, like at least. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, Green Bay at the Chargers. Both got for Green Bay. Chargers are a mess and only won their last game because the other team couldn't kick a field goal and couldn't work out that a knee is as bad as losing two yards on a rush. Green Bay look good on both sides of the ball and the coaching seems to be working for them. Yeah, like nothing really more to say about that one, I don't think. Like, maybe the Chargers could because it's at home and they'll have all 14 no. of their fans, but oh. like... Yeah, the all fourteen of them. They're going to own that stadium. Oh yeah. Um, next up, Cleveland at Denver. Uh, both gone for Cleveland. We don't even know who's starting QB for Denver. Yeah, and like who, who really cares? Like Brandon Allen is currently the favorite for it, but like who really cares? Like Cleveland, they can probably get a win here and keep them very, very dim hopes that they have of a wild card spot alive. But yeah. like at the end of the day, neither of these teams are performing well, and I expect that the Denver defense will keep this a close, tight game. Um, it's just a matter of Brandon Allen gives the ball back to Cleveland too much because uh, he truly is shit. Um, whether Cleveland maybe make this a little bit more comfortable than than a total close. And then mile high, it's just never fun to go to. And it's just neither of these teams are fun right now. No. Uh, next one's your pick of the week, uh, New England at Baltimore. It's uh, We've both gone for New England, although yeah. I think this is, a, this is a closer game than like a kind of a one-sided thing, although it's hard to see past New England in their current form. Yeah, that this is a, the first, like one of the the first in a series of tests for the New England Patriots. I think they're playing teams like Philly and Dallas and the Chiefs over the next month or so. Uh, but first up is Baltimore. I think let's be honest, the real reason we're both picking New England is because we still believe that Lamar Jackson is an amazing quarterback, does some ridiculous things that no one else could do, but he's still not a great passer to the outside he's still no. relying on Mark Andrews and his other tight ends to get the job done and the occasional big play for Hollywood Brown and 
I think if there's anyone, you know, if, if there's anyone who's capable of creating a game plan and making his personnel do a week-to-week plan that's specifically designed to clamp down on Lamar Jackson, it's probably Bill Belichick. And the template's already there from the Chargers win last year in the playoffs. And Lamar's a bit better than he was then, but I think the same template exists. You know, make sure you're set up front, start your big heavies in the line, mm-hmm. and then just have as many fast defensive backs as you can to ensure that Lamar Jackson can't get any easy runs, any yards to kind of get those like clutch third downs he's been getting against other teams. It just kind of feels that's what New England are going to do. And if they do that, then I expect them to win with Tom Brady and the rest of the offense being efficient again. Like I think, you know, Stefan Gilmore can take care of Hollywood Brown and the rest just isn't there. Um, so I think, you know, if they don't do that, if Lamar can ball out, start getting some throws deep, start doing some crazy stuff like that or like win despite uh, the scheming against him, that would be a huge step of progress for him. But I think based on what we've seen up to this point, hard to bet against Bill Belichick against uh, a young quarterback. Yeah, like your main hope would be the offense in New England has been faltering a bit and that this defensive personnel could stop them because they've looked better in the last couple of weeks. But the problem is they've looked better, but they haven't looked complete on defense. And Bill Belichick's the kind of guy who'll be able to figure out what he can do that he will get success against where your weaknesses are. So He's having too much... fun right now making all these terrible yeah. games happen he used to have exciting teams as well as winning teams but the la- like since the Super Bowl since he decided he wanted to bring back 1980s running game he's not holding up his end of the bargain of, of having anything fun happen either no 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 and finally <laughs> finally Dallas at the Giants um, we've both gone for Dallas even though they've been in a little bit of a slump of late uh, yeah I could see Giants doing something in this game uh, they look better this week. They've got more of their weapons around and stuff. But Dallas have been underperforming for the level of talent that they have. And I want to see them yeah. fix that. And this feels like a get-right game. Divisional rival in the like over in their house in New York. Like a bit of a flex, a bit of a swagger. Get themselves back on track. Yeah, but Dallas, they did, they did comprehensively take care of Philly before their bye week in prime mm. time. I think maybe we're kind of indicating that 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 they're going to show that they have basically more talent than their comparable teams, whether due to injury or just not great personnel in general. Yeah, so the Giants, if they have any chance to win, they're going to have to lean on Saquon, um, hope Daniel Jones has a good performance with Tate and Ingram, whatever like that. Um, but yeah, like the Dallas Cowboys, they have more talent. They had a week off to scheme up for this, and I expect them to. Uh, I think like the Giants have a chance, but I would be surprised to see another. A game like the Philly game where they just dominate the other side by just running it over them. Um, I think that the Dallas Cowboys are due to just kind of revert to their 2018 gameplay, and that's good enough to beat teams like the Giants, to be honest. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that works out for them. I kind of agree with you on all of that. Um, so, yes, that'll do it for this week, I suppose. Uh, any major plans for the next week's touch? Uh, well, the, the, the Rugby World Cup final mm-hmm. is on uh, Sunday, I believe. Uh, as I mentioned, England, South Africa. I'll probably end up watching that. Uh, other than that, keeping it pretty quiet, you know, coming up to the end of the work time and coming off a bank holiday. You know, we're into the long, the long winter right now, so, uh, you know, coming back from work, there's no sunshine anymore. It's all, all rather sad. To be yeah, no, it's the same here. It's going to get colder and darker and it was raining an awful lot today but uh, I think it's just going to be kind of cooler now and a bit more manageable but it does seem to get dark at around like five half five so that's kind of where we are at the moment 
So, like, just to update, no additional trades happened as far as we're aware. Uh, we're past the deadline right now, and uh, yeah. next week, you know, with, with that kind of solidity, we'll be moving on. Uh, we'll be doing our mid-season review next week, so uh, if you have predictions about what you think could happen, and I feel free, to, or what will happen for the rest of the season, we'll definitely be looking at those next week as well. Yeah, like we say, fire your questions in on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, on all those kind of bits and pieces, and uh, we'll get some of them, and we won't get other ones, but we'll do our best to try and grab them. Um, but yes, it was for now. It's bye for myself and bye from Fitz. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.